This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to running back rankings. I have Christian McCaffrey at number one against a Chargers defense giving up more than six yards of carry to running backs. That's most in the NFL. And just a reminder, if you forgot, that before his bye, he had 18 carries and eight catches and total three touchdowns before that bye week. Just yeah. wanted to remind you guys. Saquon at number two against Houston, another great matchup. You know, the second worst defense against running backs. They are, they're allowing 5.7 yards of carry. And I'm expecting the Giants to give Saquon a big workload in this one. He's had at least 20 carries in four of his fi- last five games. Yeah. So two guys coming off by. You're happy to see it. Yeah. Glad to have him back too. After missing him Welcome back. last week. Yeah. Saquon. Oh, yeah, I was, I was missing him. I was missing yeah. both these guys. The Giants just have to follow the, the the Titans game plan against Houston this week. You know, just give Saquon Barkley the ball enough, and he'll have 200 yards before you know it. So just let Saquon do his thing this week. Seriously, man. Seriously. Welcome back. Austin Eckler at number three. Tough overall matchup uh, against San Francisco, but he's all Justin Herbert has right now. So he he's averaging 10 catches over his last three games, <laughs> which is absolutely insane yeah. for a running back. Um, I was going to say tough overall matchup for the Titans this week uh, against Denver, but their whole offense is Derrick Henry. So yeah. never mind. The Broncos are giving up more than five yards of carry to running backs this year. That's fourth most in the league, so he will likely continue the ball. I have him at number four this week. Yeah. I, I wonder what the Titans are going to do for offense the rest of the season, especially as he gets colder. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> at number five, we're looking at Alvin Kamara looking to rebound, like we talked about, you know, after a tough week nine. This is another tough matchup for him this week against the Steelers, but my, my man was averaging 25 PPR fantasy points per game the four weeks before last week. So he'll be fine. Yeah. He'll be fine. He'll bounce back. Nick Chubb at six against Miami. Travis Etienne at seven against Kansas City. Hopefully, Etienne gets a, used a little bit more in the passing game this week, given how how the Chiefs have given up the most receptions to running backs this year. Um, you know, who knows if that will be the case with him? Only nine percent target share for the year. Uh, he is running a ton of routes, so that's good. But we want to see those targets go up a little bit. Um, we we kind of want to see those targets correlate with the amount of routes that he's running, and that could happen. Yeah. You know, hopefully we. At some point this year, with him being on the field more, we start to see more of that, you know, Lawrence to ETN connection that we've we saw, you know, in college, you know, through the air. Um, yeah, but we'll see. But either way, you're starting him, you know, as a as a solid RB one. Yeah, I think he's destined for some passing work this week, just because, I, like we said, this game could get out of hand really easily uh, with the Chiefs being, you know, the Chiefs. So I, I like Travis ETN. Um, I think he's going to be the focal point of the offense, especially early in the game if they want to have. Any shot at establishing a run game, they're probably going to be getting him the ball 
two out of three downs per you know set of downs that they have. I, I yeah. would be surprised if he comes out you know the first half with twenty touches because that's what they're going to need. That's what they're going to need for sure. Uh, yeah. Kenneth Walker, I have him at, at number eight against Tampa. Uh, he's he's averaged twenty two carries a game since taking over in week six, and he scored six touchdowns in those four games. So regardless of the matchup, you know, the, and this isn't as bad of a matchup as it used to be. So start Kenneth Walker pretty easily. Yeah. And we have Josh Jacobs at number nine after a couple of down weeks from him. Tough matchup against Indy, but there's a good chance the Raiders control this game. We talked about how bad Derek Carr was, but Indy has not looked good lately. Their offense hasn't looked good. We don't know how many points they're going to score. There's a good chance the Raiders can control this game. Um, And after getting some of the two-minute snaps a couple of weeks ago, Josh Jacobs did, we're starting to see Amir Abdullah start to creep back in, unfortunately. And he came in for a bunch of snaps over the last two weeks. So all that weighted opportunity that was going Josh Jacobs' way, you know, in neutral game scripts, that kind of went away over the past two weeks. Hopefully this week he can kind of get right. Yeah, this this shouldn't be a, a very good game. I don't think there's two, t- two teams that are really just on the downswing right now. And with the Raiders' offense, it's either been Devontae Adams doing the scoring or Josh Jacobs. In the past two weeks, you know, Devontae Adams has been doing his thing. Josh Jacobs hasn't. Um, I don't know it's why. Like they-, they can't figure out how to get both of them going yeah, at the same I- time. I don't know why it's like a pendulum. You know, it's either Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams. They can't have both for some reason. Like, why don't you just try using both? Josh Jacobs, obviously, when when they run Josh Jacobs and they give him the workload that they gave him those three weeks where he had over 30 points in a row, you know, like good things were happening. They were in those games, you know. And then when they're just throwing the ball, you know, they went up with a lead and blew the lead. I saw a stat somewhere. It was like the Raiders blew three 17-point leads this season, you know, after blowing fives up until – in their whole history up until this season. So it's just like really bad in, in Las Vegas. I don't know what it is. It might be Josh McDaniels. We'll see. But, um, you know, I, I think Josh Jacobs still has it in him. Like they'll give yeah, him the volume. Definitely. If they give him the volume, he'll do it. But it's just a matter of him getting that volume. He, it hasn't looked the same. Like you said, with the weight opportunity, he's, his targets have come down. Um, that's a little worrying for me. He's starting to look more like that Josh Jacobs that we saw last season where he didn't score less than eight, but he also didn't score more than 20. It was just like right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully he can get back to it. I think he can. I think they're they're willing to give him a huge workload. Yeah. And, you know, in this type of matchup, we can definitely see it happen. Dalvin Cook at number 10 against Buffalo. Um, Damian Pierce at 11 against the Giants. That's a good matchup. The Giants are bottom three in rush defense on a per-carry basis. Yeah. Uh, they were surprisingly able to keep Kenneth Walker in check two weeks ago. But other than that, they have been bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Jamal Williams against Chicago's vulnerable rushing defense as well. Uh, Williams had 24 carries last week. If Chicago ends up, this is kind of crazy to say, but if Chicago ends up putting up points early <laughs> on the yeah. lines, right? Um, Williams would end up coming off the field in those situations if that happens. Uh, and it, it might not be DeAndre Swift coming on the field it won't mm-hmm. be craig reynolds either because craig reynolds has been put on ir it's justin jackson okay so justin jackson is playing the deandre swift role while deandre swift is a little bit banged up okay so yeah. we could see him on the field a little bit this week uh but in general as long as swift is banged up we have no idea how long he'll be as limited as he was the past two weeks only 10 snaps last week you got to keep starting jamal yeah, I think that's the way to go. Um, even though the Bears have looked a lot better on defense, I'm not sure they run away with this one. You know, um, I mean, not that the Lions are a very good team, but I, I think that there's a chance that this ends up being a closer game than we think, and Jamal Williams could yeah. be involved the whole way through. Um, I, I think he has a much more sustainable workload. It seems like it's Jamal Williams as a 1A, and then the two guys that are rotating behind him are Justin Jackson and DeAndre Swift. And Justin Jackson, Jackson actually got a little bit more work than Swift last week. 
I think Swift yeah. is going to continue to get healthy. His workload is going to continue moving up. But Jamal Williams seems to be the guy that they're going to keep using until Swift is 100%. He's going to be on the field for most of the snaps. He's going to get most of the carries. And if they get to the goal line, you know, remember, if he scores one, if he scores one touchdown, you got a second one coming that same day. 100%. Always. Guaranteed. Yeah, that's the way it goes. I have Tony Pollard here at 13 against Green Bay. Uh, we don't know if Zeke is playing or not. You know, he has a brace on. He might play. This ranking is assuming he does not play. Yeah. And I have Pollard here at 13. And this might be a little bit low for some. But the fact that he wasn't an every down back last week, he has to be a borderline RB1 for me rather than an RB1 with all those other guys you know, ahead of him this week. Like It's hard for me to bench the other guys that I mentioned already, you know, besides Tony Pollard. Maybe you want to play him over Jamal. Maybe. But I feel mm. like Jamal, you know, if he ends up with those two touchdowns, those two goal line touchdowns, he's yeah. going to end up having a better week than Pollard. Uh, on the ground, this isn't a tough matchup. However, his touch threshold might be a little bit too low. Like, he might be limited to, to that ask, you know, to that respect. So, yeah. that's my only concern with Pollard. Regardless, like, most likely, Pollard will be in your lineup. We'll see. You know, if Zeke... Let me ask you this. I have two questions for you. The first question is, if Zeke is playing, where are you ranking Pollard compared to Zeke? Number one. Number two, if Zeke does not play, where are you ranking Pollard? Is this appropriate? Would you rank him above Jamal, Damian Pierce? Let me hear it. All right. So if Zeke plays, I think that Tony Pollard is still ranked above Zeke, but he's not an RB1. He's not a high-end RB2. I think he's like low-end RB2 with RB2 potential just because, you know, Zeke, I don't think with a brace, we saw it last season, he's not going to be explosive, but he's going to get the touches anyway. You know, he's going to be picking up three or four yards of carry just on first and second down, and that's the way it's going to be. It's just going to hurt Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's going to have probably, I'd say, the same volume as he would if he doesn't play, you know, maybe just a little bit less. So I think a low-end RB2 is, you know, in his range of outcomes, especially um, – since he's obviously much more explosive and he could do more with the ball in his hands. The only difference might be the goal line carries, right? Yeah. Like if they get to the goal line and Zeke is playing, then Zeke will might get one of two goal line carries rather than Tony Pollard getting all of them. Yeah. Right? And, and even then, you know, it seems like when Dak comes back, two things open up for you that they didn't have with Cooper Rush. One, it seems like they love to throw the tight ends on rollouts, you know, by, by Dak. They run the play action and that works well. They, they, they did that a lot. Um, when Dak plays. And then the other thing is Dak has his legs where Cooper Rush didn't. And we saw that last week, the first touchdown drive. It was a read option to Dak, and he took it in for a touchdown with his legs. So it, it's a give and take. You know, now that Dak is back, maybe the goal line carries, they might technically go. Any running back goal line carries might go to Tony Pollard, but they might be distributed more, um, obviously, with Dak uh, playing. And Malik Davis didn't look bad, the guy that they had, you know, rotating in behind him. So we'll see how it goes. But like I said, Low-end RB2, if Zeke does play. If he does play, I think that this is appropriate for Pollard, especially with the, you know, like you said, the touch threshold being like that 14-15 touch range. Mm -hmm. um, Jamal Williams is a safer play. Tony Pollard's a higher upside play. But, you know, if, if you're in a spot where you need a win, I might start Jamal Williams this week. Um, Tony Pollard, it, it could go either way for him where we know Jamal Williams going to get his touches. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. At number 14, we have Miles Sanders against Washington. Sanders has been surprisingly steady, you know, and I have him here as a high in RB2, you know, and I'm yep. playing him over Jonathan Taylor, who I have at 15, who did practice on Wednesday, which is, you know, he'll. Uh, my assumption is that he's going to play. New head coach, you know, still a not-so-good offensive line. 
we'll see how effective he can be if he does suit up against you know this week against the Raiders. The Raiders are a tough matchup on the ground on a per carry basis, but they've allowed a ton of fantasy points to running backs. Yeah. If you have both these guys this week, Jonathan Taylor, let's say Jonathan Taylor gets a full practice in on Friday. Who are you starting? Sanders or Taylor? I would have to start Taylor <laughs> just because we know what Jonathan Taylor can do. There's nobody else doing anything on that Colts offense. You know, Miles Sanders, he has a chance of having his touchdowns vultured by A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith, even the running backs behind him, Kenneth Gamewell, Jalen Hurts on the ground. I, I think that Jonathan Taylor is the safer play for me. I get it, though. It feels weird having Miles Sanders above Jonathan Taylor, but the way he's been playing, you know, that's the way it's going to be. But I, I'm holding out hope for Jonathan Taylor. I think he can do it. He can get back to at least much better form than he's had this season. There is a, 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 a under-the-radar move the Colts can make right now for their offense to become much better, and that's to bring in Nick Foles. Oh. Bring in Nick Foles. They could. Let the, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to play Matt Ryan? Okay. Ellinger, if he continues to struggle, bring in Nick Foles. Bring in the Super Bowl-winning quarterback <laughs> yeah, and just see what kind of spark you can get, and, and see see what happens. You know, like you never know, and maybe Nick Foles will start dumping it down to running backs. You know, you never yeah. know. I, I I don't know. I don't know if that's going to fix anything. The problem, the problem in Indianapolis <laughs> is their offensive line sucks. Yeah, you know, that's, that's I, which is weird to think because Quentin Nelson's there, but it's just it hasn't been playing well at all. Where the past two seasons, it's been actually you know pretty good. Um, well, you know, with the new with you know one thing that hopefully Jeff Saturday brings in is that he's an offensive lineman. Yeah, maybe he he understands that like, hey, listen, like one way to overcome a bad offensive line is instead of running the ball like 20 times a game, you check it down like yeah. six, seven times a game to complement that. Yeah. Right. And if you have Jonathan Taylor, that's what you're hoping for. Paris Campbell, he can play that role. Right. Like they have a few guys that can do that sort of thing and they just have to get creative with it. Right. Know? So we'll see what they end up doing but you know the vibes are not good around indy right now uh but you know we'll see what, what they do in their first game back maybe, you know remember maybe. the vibes were not good in, in carolina either and, and they were right. able to have a couple good games so you never know maybe the offensive line is just tired of blocking for washed up one-year rental quarterbacks philip rivers go. carson Wentz, now matt ryan they're just like all right we're done let's get us an actual quarterback and then we'll play yeah. maybe I'll... yeah very possible <laughs> Very possible. Um, I have Leonard Fournette at 16, and, you know, this might be a little bit low, but Seattle's run defense has been gouged early on in the year, but over the last four weeks, they've allowed only three yards of carry to running backs, which is second best in the NFL during that span. Uh, and then you add the inefficiencies from Fournette on top of that, uh, and this, off this offense not playing as well, you know. I don't know how much run Rashad White is going to get in this game, but I'm just not sure this is a get-right spot for this Bucks offense in general. No. The, the Seahawks have looked so much better, and they are, at this point, so much better than the Bucks right now. I think this is a much harder matchup than I thought it was going to be for the Bucks When they released the schedule and they said that they were sending Seattle and Tampa Bay overseas, I was like, man, they don't ever give them any good games. I was like, Tampa Bay is going to run all over the Seahawks. And now it, yeah. it's looking like it might be the other way around. You know, yeah. the way the Seattle's de defense is playing, I don't expect Blaine Fournette, you know, have much upside this week. He might get volume, but... I don't think he's going to have much upside. And the volume has been hard to come by for him the past few weeks. I know I'm I'm still in on Leonard Fournette. I think he has it in him. We've seen him do his thing when he's on the Buccaneers. I think these past few weeks have been very uncharacteristic. I think they're going to be an outlier. But if it keeps happening, you know, it's looking it's starting to look more like a trend than just, like, you know, a, a bad patch. But we'll see. Are you starting him over Miles Sanders? 
I I think I would. That that's okay. Just so me. you and, would go you would go Jamal Williams at twelve, Tony Pollard at thirteen, Leonard Fournette at fourteen, Jonathan Taylor at fifteen, and then yeah. Miles Sanders at sixteen. Uh, I think I think that's about what I would have. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Cordell Patterson, I have him at 17. Uh, Carolina's defense didn't look good last week, like I mentioned. We talked about them a little bit earlier. Um, I think he's going to get a, a little bit of a larger role tonight compared to four days ago. Um, yeah. And I can see Tyler Algier also, you know, obviously mixing in there. Caleb Huntley might get phased out a little bit. Um, yeah. So I have him at 17. I think it's a solid, solid place to put him. James Conner at 18. You know, I'm fine starting him as an RB2. 71% of snaps last week, 70, 70% rap participation, caught all five of his targets last week. I think it's a good sign for him. This is a little bit of a sigh of relief for, if you have James Conner, the fact yeah. that he's actually playing and on the field and got his he got his role back. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what you were hoping for. Nothing too crazy, but you know, in terms of expectation, you know, you just like, is he on the field? Is he playing all the snaps? All right. I think yeah. we're okay. <laughs> yeah, you're done holding your breath with James Conner. You see that he's going to get the touches if he plays. And it looks like that's the way it's going to be. I think the offense just has to be a little bit better. I hope Kyler Murray can play. You know, I, I don't think – I don't personally think he's going to miss. I could see him playing through it. Uh, that kind of limits the upside of the offense overall. But if that's the case, you know, they might be turning more to the run game with James Conner, and that could be good news for him. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it's kind of a mystery going into this game, and the Rams are like a middle of the pack matchup in terms of their defense. I think so. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, too hopeful of a huge upside for James Conner, but I think he's going to have a much better week than he had last week if you know some of the production starts to catch up to the usage that he had. You know, and just real quick on the Fournette, and you know, people are probably wondering why I'm not when I'm talking about it. Um, you know, there was a situation in this past game with the Bucks, where, you know, Fournette was off the field, right? Especially in that first half, right? That first half, you know, it was, it was Rashad White on the field, not Fournette. And apparently he was frustrated with that, um, with that situation. And, you know, it, you know, this is a situation where it's possible and Bucks beat reporter, uh, forgot which one it was, but one of them said that it's possible that Rashad White ends up taking over at some point this year, if Fournette continues to struggle. So that's mm. his opinion as a beat reporter. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's something to kind of keep an eye on. And another indication of don't drop Rashad White. <laughs> yeah. Um, pick him up. Pick him up if you don't have him already. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Aaron Jones got him at number 19 here against Dallas. Uh, he did practice on Wednesday, like I mentioned. Um, he might not get his full workload. You know, his workload has been up and down all year. So I moved him down a bit, you know, to RB19 this week because of that. We, You know, he's been up and down all week, all year. You know, AJ Dillon has gotten touches here and there. And now he's a little bit banged up. So I'm not betting on him to have, you know, a big game this week. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. Like you said, with him being a little bit banged up, I think AJ Dillon could actually come through a little bit this week. Um, I, it's, I think it's going to look better for AJ Dillon than Aaron Jones this week. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron, Aaron Jones is outproduced by AJ Dillon just because he is banged up. Um, we'll see how it goes, though. Dallas' defense is pretty tough, although they've been a little bit softer against the run. Um, that's Those have been the guys that have been you know, scoring the points against them recently. So we'll see how it goes. I, I like Aaron Jones a little bit, but not as much as A.J. Dillon this week. I think that A.J. Dillon, we have him at 30. I, I might move him up a little bit more than that. He might be a low-end RB2 for me this week. 
I like I like David Montgomery at RB twenty um, against Detroit this week. His snaps and usage went up went way up last week. Seventy percent of snaps, forty five percent of rushing share. Depending on if the Bears are in this game, and by the way, yeah, it, it wasn't. You know, this is including Justin Fields. This is not yeah. just between him and Khalil Herbert. So you're like, oh, Khalil Herbert had fifty five percent. No, he had less than that. He had about thirty five percent of the rushing share. Mm. Um, but, you know, depending on if the Bears are in this game the entire time, you know, depending on if they're up the entire time, you know, it could change how these guys are being used and what their touch distribution looks like, right? If the Bears are up and in, or in a neutral game script, then expect Khalil Herbert to be a lot more involved, right? Expect yeah. their their carries to be somewhat similar. Um, and I, I, was, I would expect both of them to rack up some carries in this game if that were to be the case. And so I have Herbert down at RB26 on the week and Montgomery's here at RB20. Um, are you expecting – what are you expecting out of this Bears backfield? Like are you expecting it to be a close share or do you expect Montgomery to kind of lead this backfield once again? I think it'll be a close share. The Bears' identity is still the run game even though Justin Fields has, has looked really good. You know, that's still what they like to do. Um, a lot of the time, David Montgomery, he got most of the touches uh, last week, but I, I think that the hot hand approach is going to be, you know, in full swing this week. It's not going to result. I'm not saying it's going to have Khalil Herbert getting all the touches, you know, outpacing Dave Montgomery by a, a decent amount. I think it's going to be a nice split down the middle this week. I think both of them have the potential to be an RB2. I think neither of them are going to finish as an RB1, I, even though it's it's a decent mass up, matchup against Detroit. I don't have high hopes for either of them. I think that I feel like Khalil Herbert could be the guy this week. That's just me. Obviously, it's been it. it's been back and forth both times. I mean, the whole season, you know, between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. But you know, it, with Justin Fields playing the way he's playing, David Montgomery might be the early down guy, and they might have uh, Khalil Herbert in for those, you know, long third down situations. That's where he can make a lot of money. We saw him do that against the Patriots um, on that screen play. I don't think it was supposed to be a touchdown, but it ended up being a touchdown. Uh, Justin Fields sidearmed it. They have Khalil, Her- Khalil Herbert in on those plays where you have the potential to gain chunk yardage. I think that he can make money more than Dave Montgomery um, this week. We we touched on Antonio Gibson's role. I have him here at number 21 with J.D. McKissick hurt. Um, getting all the way down, like, you know, it, it's it's funny because I had Antonio Gibson, you know, ranked solo this offseason. Yep. And now with McKissick hurt, I like him a lot. Um, he's getting all the passing down work. He's missing in on early downs. You know, that role on its own is RB2 level, right? And yeah. he's being targeted out of the backfield as well. Almost 30% target share per route run for the year for a running mm-hmm. back. That's elite. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if he continues to run those routes, he's going to be a pretty good asset down the stretch, uh, depending on how severe J.D. McKissick's injury is. All right, so keep keep that in mind Yeah. moving forward. And, you know, Philly is going to be likely going to be a, a negative game script mm-hmm. for Washington. So I'm expecting Gibson to rack up some targets in this game well yeah one thing about you know washington playing philadelphia last time it wasn't very close but you know washington they're a scrappy team they're not that bad you know they'll be in the game they gave minnesota a run for their money you know up until the last couple minutes before the vikings eventually took the lead and won the game but they're they're not a bad team they can do it especially with taylor heineke quarterback i like the upside that the offense has i think that antonio gibson he's pretty much the guy in the backfield now even though i thought that and yeah, I know you weren't high on him either. I thought that he was kind of going to be phased out with this coaching staff. It hasn't been the case. I think they've kind of been forced to go to him, but they're realizing now that, you know, he's actually a good piece. And we said that he's making a lot of money in the passing game, um, much more than the run game. The run game, early down work has been going to Brian Robinson, but he hasn't done anything to earn himself more time on the field. Uh, I think that Antonio Gibson is the guy, like you said, and he's going to have 
pretty good upside in a matchup that you said it's probably gonna be a negative game script um i don't think they're gonna be completely out of it at any point in the game though which could actually help he's um he's always been the best, best running back in this backfield you know since i don't know two three years ago yeah. it's been since he's been since he's been drafted he's been their best running back they're finally hopefully realizing it now but even brian robinson taking touches away doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to be honest with you right. um Devin Singletary, I have him here at number 22 against Minnesota. Very tough matchup on the ground, but good offense, right? If Josh Allen plays. If Josh Allen doesn't play, and if lean on the ground game, still not great for Devin Singletary for me. I, I don't love this for him this week, personally. Um, yeah. But we'll see, you know. I'd rather Josh Allen play <laughs> for Devin Singletary. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't think them depending on the ground game is going to be a great formula for them if they were without Josh Allen, personally. No. I mean, maybe because Dalvin Cook will be in town, James Cook will do his thing. But Ooh, I don't think well, that's that. going to be the case. Yeah. Brother versus brother. Yeah. Um, you can start Deontay Foreman tonight. You know, but keep in mind, like I said earlier, that Chuba Hubbard will likely be back after getting a couple full practices in. And if the Panthers go down, we probably won't see Foreman on the field a ton. Uh, you know, even without Chuba last week, Hubbard only played. I'm sorry. <laughs> even without, <laughs> without Chuba, Chuba last Hubbard. week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what what did Foreman. we say? Uh, Chuba Hubba Hubba. I forgot. I forgot what we. What we yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, Chuba Hubba Hubba. Yeah. Um, without Chuba last week, Foreman only played on forty three percent of snaps in a yeah. negative game script last week. So that tells you what you, what you need to know if that happens tonight. And then you have Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert. I have them here at twenty four and twenty five. They're they 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 their work split down the middle last week. I have Wilson, you know, with a slight edge, given he looked better than Mostert did last week, and. This was a 50-50 Wilson's first game with the Dolphins after being with the team for only a few days. So yeah. that tells you what you need to know about this backfield. So I think I'm starting Wilson over Mostert, you know, but most likely you don't have both. And, you know, I think both these guys are, you know, borderline RB2s and flex plays this week. They're ranked as such. So they're split. Their carries and touches were split down the middle last week. And now you could draw a line right down the middle and they'll be in the same spot. You know, pretty much. And this is a solid matchup on the ground for the Dolphins. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, Cleveland's been giving up a ton of ton of uh, rushing yards on a per carry basis. So I, I kind of like this matchup for them, even if it's split. Yeah. I, I don't think like you could say Jeff Wilson came in and looked good after getting after after having only a couple of days to learn to play a book. But I don't think there was much learning to play book really yeah, to do. True. There might have been a few wrinkles I had to pick up, but it didn't surprise me at all to see him do what he did last week because I he's so familiar with the with the scheme and with Mike McDaniel. Yeah. I think they were happy to have him in there. It didn't take long. And now they have him. I don't I don't think they're going to start, you know, just hammering Jeff Wilson and leaving Raheem Mostert on the sideline, but I Jeff Wilson could get a couple more touches. Like I said, it could go either way each week. But as long as Jeff Wilson's playing well, you know, I I don't think like I said his value is up right now. I would sell him. That's just me. But um uh, you know, he looks good, and it's nice to have another piece that's doing much better than Chase Edmonds was in this offense. Jeff Wilson, um, you know, is, is a running back that, like, you know, you picked up on waivers potentially after dropping him, and now you might have an RB2 moving forward if his role increases. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Khalil Herbert at 26. We talked about him a little bit this week, um, and, uh, you know, this is a really good matchup. It's possible that he's very low in the rankings. Maybe he should be a little higher. Um, DeAndre Swift, I have him here at 27. Listen, that like DeAndre low. Swift, we have yeah. no idea what his workload's going to look like. He had 10 snaps last week. You know, I'd rather move Khalil Herbert up than DeAndre Swift. I might move DeAndre Swift down. I, I, I don't know what to expect from him. Would you put DeAndre Swift below Najee Harris? I, I don't Maybe. know if I'd do that. I, I don't because know if I'd do that. 
I think DeAndre Swift has you know more upside, obviously. But yeah. at least Najee Harris has been getting you like you know ten points in a PPR league. DeAndre Swift can potentially give you you know just a handful of points. He has to score yeah. a touchdown for him to do his thing. Yeah, and he like I said, for me, you know, I've seen him play. He scored two weeks ago. He came this close. He came a yard away from scoring last week on that nice catch that we talked about. So I think that the upside is there, even though he's not getting a lot of touches. They've been pretty high quality touches that he's getting. And you never know when Najee Harris, he might be benched this week, right? Like uh, so yeah. a, a Mike Tomlin, you know, has talked about it, you know, with with Jalen Warren. There's been a lot of hype around Jalen Warren this week, you know, and we've been talking about Jalen Warren for several weeks now. It's possible that that time has come out of the bye. We have no idea if that's going to be the case. There's been a lot of rumors around that potentially happening. Um, however, for now, Najee Harris will is, is going to be in my rankings here, <laughs> you know, in the top yeah. 30, not Jalen Warren. Uh, not comfortable starting Jalen Warren just yet, unless you're desperate and you're you know shot in the dark type of play. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm okay starting Najee here. He moved up a little bit because he's being involved in the passing game in a PPR league. You know he could potentially just like give you a, a decent floor, decent, yeah, not high, decent, mm-hmm. uh, around a ten point PPR floor over the past couple of weeks. That's what it is. He he hasn't scored more than fourteen points in a game, but he also hasn't scored less than six. So. Yeah. That's what you're getting. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. It, like you were talking about a decent floor. That's just like a mediocre floor. Like it, it's if you have nothing else left, nobody else to play. I, at this point, if you have Najee Harris, I'd start somebody with upside like DeAndre Swift over him. Maybe even Tyler Algier at this point. Because, I can see starting Tyler Algier over Najee Harris. I can see yeah, that. Yeah. yeah he, just, he just doesn't have the upside at all. Like even when he scores, <laughs> you know, he doesn't get enough yardage or receptions. To, to make it so that he can have a higher scoring game. You know, if he scores a touchdown, he's like, all right, I got my 10 points. I'm done for today. That's it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, let's move. Let's move Tyler Alger up, up above Najee. Uh, AJ Dillon, I have him here at 30. I just, even with Aaron Jones a little bit banged up, I still don't trust AJ Dillon that much. Like he hasn't been involved this year. He hasn't done much against Dallas. I don't know. Like what are your expecting, expectations out of AJ Dillon this week? I think AJ Dillon's actually going to be better than Aaron Jones this week, just because Aaron Jones is a little banged up. Um, AJ now, Dillon, if he's better than Aaron Jones, does that mean that he's going to have a good game? I, I think that he's going to have a good game, and that's just me because the Cowboys' run defense has been pretty bad. You know, I, I the Cowboys historically have not been able to put away the Packers in any type of game. I don't think it's going to be a close game at the end of the day, but I think it could be competitive at least in the first half, and I think that AJ Dillon could make. He, he could do some work on the ground um, against Dallas, even though it is a good Cowboys defense. He's been super quiet the past few weeks. I could totally see him having a game just to throw people off, you know, with Aaron Jones having the injury. They could be like, all right, well, is A.J. Dillon still a handcuff? Could he earn more usage going forward? I could see him having that type of performance. If he scores, I think he could rush for 60 yards and score. I think he could do that, and that would be enough to make him, you know, seem fantasy relevant again. Um, I, I like AJ Dillon this week. I know we have Aaron Jones here at 19 and AJ Dillon at 30. I would actually put AJ Dillon over Aaron Jones in the grand scheme of things. I'm not sure where I, I don't think I'd put AJ Dillon at 19. Maybe I'd put him, you know, over Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert under Deontay Foreman, but I, I like AJ Dillon this week, even though it doesn't look good. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. I'm only playing AJ Dillon if Aaron Jones is banged up. I mean, or if if I'm sorry, if he's if he misses this game. Right. Otherwise, I'm not sure how much confidence I have in him, to be honest. Um, you know, if this if this Green Bay Packers offense was better, if they weren't going up against a, a tough defense, I might concede. But I'm not sure yeah. about it. Well, now let me ask you this question. 
uh, we have before we wrap up here. Uh, Adam in the court in the comments is asking, can't believe I have to ask this one, but Jonathan Taylor, Cordell Patterson in a non PPR league have to make a decision by tonight, and there's no other options on waivers, and my other running backs are on by. So, with this question, let's say Jonathan Taylor gets a full practice in today. Yeah, if Jonathan Taylor gets a full practice in today, I'll wait and I'll and I'll start Jonathan Taylor this week yep. on Sunday, and I'll bench Patterson. If Jonathan Taylor gets another limited practice in, practice in today, there's no guarantee that he plays, right? So, when if that's the case, then I'll play Patterson tonight. Yep. That's how that's how I'm, I'm going to handle this situation. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. In no other circumstance, like you said, unless Jonathan Taylor practices today, you know, if he practices, I don't know. I don't think it has to be a full practice for me to be comfortable. You know, starting Jonathan Taylor this weekend, if as long as he practices, we're fine. I don't see a situation where he doesn't. You, you can. Start Jonathan Taylor. Cordell Patterson is a much safer bet, though. I, I see. My point is this: I don't know if Jonathan Taylor will actually play this right. week, even if he gets a limited practice today. That that's that's my concern. If I knew Taylor was playing this weekend, then I would play him, right? But he, if Jonathan Taylor's out this weekend, he's screwed because he could have played Patterson on Thursday night. Yeah, and I since since Jonathan Taylor is already on shaky ground, and Patterson has a decent matchup, and he's back. Me personally, like I'm going to play Patterson tonight, um, if Taylor is limited today. I guess it's true. Yeah, you, you just kind of talked me out of it. I, I just don't want to be. I just don't want to be screwed. Oh yeah, especially if I yeah. had a decent option. If I had a decent option that could have went on Thursday night, like I have to make that decision. You know. Yeah. And you never know. Like, Patterson, like, if you ask me, like, hey, who's going to have a better game this week, Patterson or Taylor? I'm like, well, it could be Patterson. Like, I wouldn't. The way they've been playing, yeah. It could could happen. Yeah. I think Cordell Patterson. He's he's a much safer play. And if you need him to win, if you need to win this week and you can't afford having a donut, nobody can afford having a donut, whether they want to (laughs) need a win or not. But it's just that that's that's, Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing. All right. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Appreciate you listening. Uh, to the podcast every single day, Monday through Friday, putting on the podcast every single weekday. We appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow at noon Eastern time. Uh, we'll be going over wide receiver rankings and our tight end rankings and going over injuries and all that kind of stuff going into the weekend. All right. Take it easy, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.